Well, thanks for uh, joining our podcast this week. Uh, this is the State of the Podcast, but this week we are focused on missions. So we have Shane and Aaron Latham here from Brazil. Yay. Hey. Yay. <laughs> and you're on furlough, correct? Is that technically mm-hmm. you're at the end of it? Mm-hmm. It's a, so the word transition, it's a transition year for us, and it has furlough aspects to it. But uh, yeah, we're coming to the end of that. J- uh, December, we get to go back. Whoa. Let's see, December. That means it's summer there. How are you, are you skipping out on the winters? We've got planned that two Montana mm-hmm. winters in this. Oh, in this, uh, never mind. <laughs> so we're ready. Okay, and we also have Ken Lovell and Lovell. Dang it, I said Lovell. <laughs> I'm not editing that. And, That's fine. And your wife Sharon was here this morning. She's not with you right now, but right. But you just got back from uh, Faith, watching your who run, David Lovell. And is that a son? My fifth child oh fourth yes. son how yeah i have five ch- children we're gonna get along great <laughs> <laughs> i have six so okay well then one girl i'm done so sorry <laughs> i also have one girl great so you're gonna teach me a lot in this podcast hopefully oh, yeah. uh and you are traveling all around right now you're mostly in the united states i live in the united states okay live in the united states and what, what what's some of your most recent things that you can share with us that you've been out doing well, the last trip that we took was to Israel in May. Oh, wow. I went with Peruvians, a group of Peruvians. We were a small group. We got it, rented a car, and we traveled the country. It was awesome. Wow. And and then the other one got postponed from September until now, November. And if I get a visa, which I'm working on applying on, and so if I get the visa, I'm out of here mid-November. And postpone, I'm assuming covid Yes. Yes. Yeah. Post COVID killed our travel. So yeah, let's, let's, let's go there. Cause I probably haven't talked to you guys. I don't think I've talked to any missionaries since COVID. I talked to one that was in Thailand that was stuck here right at the beginning of COVID. Yeah. So how did that guys, how did that affect your, your ministry with COVID? Well, all of a sudden there was no travel. Yeah. And so we did not go for two years, but you still got stuff done. We were doing Zoom teaching, mm. Zoom conferences. Yeah, Zooming. Zoom. But you still got but you still got stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. How about you guys? Did you guys get stuck in Brazil or Yeah, it happened when we were in Brazil and we the they were pretty tight down there with the lockdowns and stuff. Yeah. So for the first like sixty days or so, we had like we had ten people in our little compound. We started calling it. We had um our family of four plus two United States interns, another couple from Brazil, and Shane's mom and dad, all in the same house. That sounds like you guys normally anyway, by the way. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) I know it was like, what's different? You know, not much. But we really made it um, interactive and exciting. We ended up, we did all the holidays. Easter came in the COVID time, but we did Christmas, and I think we did Chinese. I mean, we did every holiday you can imagine and just made it, really interesting for the people we um every day somebody had a personal devotion that they gave to the whole family it was like camp every every noon we played volleyball and and then dinner was the meal we had together shane at the in the meantime was becoming a master chef um and so it was i'll uh, agree with that yeah it was incredible we were so the lockdown was pretty severe in brazil you know they they actually our church was right about to launch um, the, the week we were signing on three properties for three of the, the six campuses that they were working as out and around the church. And so that week that we were going to sign those properties, and, and we thank God that we didn't because they would have been empty, you know, paying mm-hmm. rent for a year, is when the lockdown happened. And also our home church was coming on a mission trip. So they had already taken off from Belgrade, Montana in a van because they were flying out of Canada. So I had to call them. So the service was, our, our team meeting was on a Tuesday. And as we were sitting down, and guys, I think we went to close our services for two weeks. That's, initially, that's what I thought, two weeks ended up being a year. Um, and so I called our home pastors. Hey, is, are they on the way to the airport? Yeah, we'll tell them to come back. They're already almost at the border of Canada. And they had to come back. And we had so we had all this food we had pre-purchased for this trip of 20 people to come down. And we had, you know, a lot of bacon, a lot of 
a lot of uh, fruit, butter, butter <laughs> that was in our house. So we didn't really have to do the, the run to the grocery store for the lockdown because we had this group that was going to come from Montana. They had to cancel the trip. And our church originally thought that they were going to close for two weeks. And mm -hmm. uh, they only allowed churches uh, over 30 people to start gathering. Probably about six months in, <clears throat> then it was like 200 people. So we really focused on the small groups uh, through Zoom. And uh, there, we actually grew, the church grew in the number of people going to small groups. And um, then about a year later is when we started having our public services again. Wow. Yeah, in November, we, um, well, in October and December, we were both turning 50. So we had a 50s party, a 50s themed party. And we had exactly 30 people there, plus mom and dad. So, but we could, we could it do that. It was technically 32 because they lived, they lived below. Another, yeah. You know, so in our house, they just kind of invaded, turned into 32, but. Um, yeah. So, but with the square footage, we could have that many people. It wasn't illegal or anything, but. Um, 18 of those gathered for that party got COVID. So it was nice. like, yeah, here you go. At the very end of the whole thing. You got so. the original strain. Mm -hmm. yeah. Where you lost your taste and smell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was a very claustrophobic thing to not be able to smell anything. Or, Especially uh, with your cooking and everything. Mm. Yeah, that was, yeah, everything was like cardboard, you know, for a while. You could, you could get like a little bit of spice we get through. So I put a bunch of spice on stuff and you could just barely taste that spice. But yeah, that took, I, for me, I started getting my taste and smell back in about a month. Erin still hasn't gotten all her smell back and stuff. So, Did you have a lot of death in Peru? Brazil. I, I'm sorry, in Brazil? There was. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to, to know exactly what happened because just the media was crazy at the time. And still, you know, you wonder with with all the incentives that there were to, you know, for for the hospitals to to say that all the deaths were, were of COVID, you wondered what actually happened. But uh, as as you as we you know just judge from people that we knew, our neighbor passed away. So she got she had already she was her health was really poor from a, a stroke she had had years before. Her whole family got it, and she was the one that passed away from pneumonia after the COVID had left. But the the COVID took her into a pneumonia. And our church lost a few people, like the father of our bass player. And um, I think as we talked to people, there was there was people close to us that their relatives had died. And so we were we were very aware that um, there was there was a, a media uh, problem, but there was also a real a real mm -hmm. presence of the disease down there. In Peru, we had several. I think we had around 20 of our pastors in our association that passed away. And a lot of them young. Yeah. We did Strong have some guys. pastors. We had some pastors. There was a pastor, a Brazilian pastor who was a friend of ours in Thailand. He was a missionary from Brazil to Thailand. We stayed at his house mm. when we took a, one of our mission trips over to Cambodia. And we, we met him in Thailand. And he had spoken at our church. And he was a young guy. And uh, he passed away from COVID, too. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean... Obviously, anything can take us out at any time, but that was that was a doozy for a while. So, okay, so let's go positive with that, though. How how did COVID change your ministry to where something has gotten better because you had to change from COVID? Got anything that, that you can think of? Well, one thing that I I mentioned already, just the the Zoom, and and that was an amazing. I've never done. Zoom conferences or Zoom classes before that, but that was something that definitely kicked us into into that realm, and and that's been a fascinating thing to be involved in. And and one other thing is our school that one of the schools that I teach in at, at in Peru there um, has gone to a semester system. One of the semesters, the second semester of the year, so from August to December is is a semester. So we teach one week, one day a week. And all morning we teach. And so it's just one day a week. And it's it's really been cool to be able to teach and then let them assimilate and do their homework. And then the next week, another class. So that's been good. I, I think that's that Zoom aspect has been good to get us more um, able to minister when you're not physically present. Sure. How about you guys? Yeah, one of the best things about it was that the pastors' meeting that happened every Tuesday, previously in Porto Alegre, 
now happened at home. Everybody mm-hmm. had their own little setup in their own little place. So if you think about the time and transit and the gas, everything, I mean, it was like really great. And Brazil is such a, such a presence person, uh, you know, in person type of culture. Mm. And so in that way, it wasn't the best, but I mean, we didn't really lack that because we had our 10 people with us, but I know a lot of people suffered because of that. Mm -hmm. And so people became aware of other people's needs, but like in the church where they did small groups online as well, I'm watching this kid, he's like 25 or a little bit older than 25, working through Zoom screens with the elderly Mm. was one of the most gratifying things I learned a lot for one. (laughs) I'm watching him just thinking, and he would just so patiently just say, okay, what are you seeing on your screen? Okay, there's probably a back arrow or a prompt somewhere. So just look at what's a prompt. Okay. I mean, it was amazing just to see his patience (laughs) and to see those two work through the technological side with the older generation. It was great. It was, it was beautiful. And so, but yeah, our small groups grew that way. We had people in our groups that had never been in church. Some that I am looking at the screen saying they will never come to church. And so, um, it was in that way impactful and they eventually had to go back into Porto Alegre for the meetings. And, but it was really nice for time. I mean, you can see what is possible. Sure. You know, I think, as I'm just thinking through the answer, like there's about three parts to it, like three things that really changed. One, we uh, realized that that right at the beginning, our pastor done this. Guys, do you think that the churches that do more lives during the lockdown um, or the church are going to be the healthiest after? Because everybody was doing lives. I mean, every there's a live every time you're being turned around, you're being invited to be part of a live. And, or is it the churches that'll care for their members the most? And so we were really challenged as a church to care for everybody. And that took, you know, some risk because you would leave your house sometimes. And, and at the, right in the beginning of the pandemic, everybody, um, you know, we didn't know what this thing was, you know, and just to, to be, to be going to visit somebody. And we, we ended up visiting a couple of people at different times that they had COVID. And so then we got locked down again. So we went through like four different lockdowns, one of which we actually did have COVID. But um, so there was the aspect of realizing that just caring for people that was going to make the difference. The aspect of actually giving us kind of an an opportunity globally, an opportunity to be courageous and and say, okay, I'm going to go visit this person. I'm going to pray for them. And uh, when people had needs, you know, to deliver something to their house, uh, we also were able to meet most of our neighbors. So we started, um, I learned how to do sourdough bread during that time. So sourdough bread is, if you do like a kilo of flour, it's this huge basketball sized loaf and you really can't buy that anywhere. And it, and it costs about 50 cents, you know, so we could deliver a loaf of this, you know, sourdough and say to our neighbors, Hey, we love you guys. Aaron made cookies once. And we got to know the names of all our neighbors. And you didn't know them before. Not, not that many of them. And we knew the ones close, you know, on either side in front of us, you know, close, but we took a walk down through the neighborhood and it was really. Yeah. And one one of our neighbors, uh, he, his son was murdered during that time. And so we did the funeral for them and all the family members. And of course, everybody's, you know, trying to social distance, but it's a funeral. And so God gave us a lot of opportunities. And and that was something that through our discipleships at the time, uh, our disciples, which were on other cities, you know, close by, but another city, they started getting to know their neighbors and they started to serve their neighbors. So I think number two, first was to care for people. Number two is to be courageous. And I think the third thing was that uh, our church, um, we started, immediately we started selling, we had a partnership with a specialty coffee place that's owned by Christians. And so people would drive by and pick up at the church building uh, coffee. And the the coffee word cafe is uh, it's it's an acronym for uh, uh, compartilhando amor, fé e esperança, which is to share <laughs> yeah. love, faith, and and hope. That's mm. the word coffee, and nice. so they came up with a really cool logo for that, and that brought in a lot of funds that we were able to help people pay their light bill, help people, and even help some other pastors from small churches that didn't get get income that during right. the time. Our church was able to help them have some income uh, through that. Uh, to that fundraising. Wow. 
It's all things work together for good. Huh? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so enough about the past. Let's talk about the future right now. So uh, what do you have for projects coming up here that you can share with us that you have planned here in the next six months or so? What's what's going on in your world? Well, um, November is the trip to India and into December. And then in February, I'll be going to um, Veracruz in Mexico and back again in May and September, probably. Um, we're making three trips. Um, it's not for sure that I'll go to all three, but anyway. And then there's one other trip to Mexico that they're wanting us to go to South American Mission. And so wherever they decide to fit that in, I'm supposed to go to Brazil in... Uh, in, May, in in August, there was one they wanted me to go what in time? May, but I mean, what what place? Um, as you know, I am not positive. The last time I went, it was Belém, up in the mouth of the Amazon. But this time, I'm not sure if that's the same one or not. It might be, or it might be uh, Brasilia is where John Mitchell that I work with. That's where he worked last when he was a missionary in Brazil. And so are, are all of these exactly the same situation or you, what, what is your purpose for going to each one? What is your goals for these? Do they have different situations going on? Sam, we're, well, in, a, in, in um, Michigan, there's a church, an Hispanic church, Grant, Michigan, kind of out in a field. It's kind of strange, but it's, it's a large uh, Spanish church and they have these uh, contacts down there. And so they go and minister to these pastors and they want us to go and teach our 12 core series there. And so that would be, get its kickoff next year. And it would be in a couple different places. Um, and are, and are multiple, like on leadership coming to these classes or what? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Mainly pastors or yep. leaders. Sure. Yeah. And so that would be a once a year project. The other ones that I'm talking about in Veracruz, um, there's two different churches, and and that includes the leadership in the area. So that's why they wanted to split it up, one up in this place and one in the, in the other, and about two hours apart. And there we'll be teaching two classes, um, the same class twice, three times during the year, in February, May, and September. So... That will be to go through the 12 courses for sure, and we'll get it done quite a bit quicker that way. Three a year. Four years will be done. Well, speaking of classes, you guys are doing classes too, teaching, correct? Do you have like a course that you're doing? I hear you say seven different? Oh, so we have workshops that... Workshops. And the idea there, so kind of a segue here from the COVID till now to the future. During that season of COVID, right at the end of that you know, 2020, we got together with our pastor down in Brazil. And so we, our main responsibility was to pastor and, men, and mentor the church planters, which were campus pastors coming out of the center, uh, the base church. And during that lockdown, one of the things that, that Tercio is his name, Tercio heard from the Lord was that he didn't want to be the pastor of a multi-campus church. We had, you know, studied multiple campuses. You know, we'd, we'd done the benchmarking in, in Brazil and outside of Brazil. We've been working on that for about 10 years, and we finally had about six. We had six couples in six different areas, and they had small groups multiplied with a with, um, uh, network of discipleships in these areas. And now the next step was to add a building to the process. And so he really felt that God was calling him to release these these individual these couples to plant their own church and just be a supportive role and let them dream and bring their team together, which was really a great thing because that was one of the more frustrating things that I had to do was the uh, you know, kind of be the policeman of the playground, which is not my role. I'm usually saying, go out and do crazy things. And here I caught myself now with this new uh, as the things kind of formalized around me, I was having to say, hey, did you get permission for that? Did you get that's just it was not working well. Yeah. COVID came and we reimagined the future of the church with planting out churches instead of campuses. And that also gave us an opportunity to, to come to, the, to grips with the, the idea that we're probably our time at that, that team was done. And so as we started looking at uh, what our passion was for, for actually 
either planting churches on it with the team, uh, of course, with the with the national pastor and his wife that would stay. Uh, and so it's always it's a supporting role, and then also helping Brazilian churches that have this dream to plant a church to help them. So being on staff at the one church, we weren't able to really be a, a resource to other churches in the area. So it was a great time for us to just pray together and realize that our time, those 10 years, we grew a lot at, on that team. We, we were discipled, uh, filled in some of the blanks from that we needed even before we went to Brazil and God allowed this, this pastor and his wife and, and just being on that team to, to resource us during those 10 10 years, but we came to the end of 2021 and we knew that we were moving actually to August, 2021, we were moving off that team. So we came back here. And what was your original question? Original question was about the classes or the, I mean, the future workshops. Okay. This is a long way around, but I'm getting there. It's all right. So the idea is now that we come back, we've been for the last 10 years receiving a salary from a Brazilian church. And now we're going to be able to go back and kind of a deja vu thing go back to Aaron and I in the car because our kids are grown. And uh, like back in 93, when we were traveling, you know, support raising. Mm-hmm. And so now we're going to fill in that support that was part of being on staff. Now we're going to go back to being American missionaries right, as a Brazilian pastor for, for a decade there. And as we started setting up meetings, one of the things that was really, um, really uh, strong, I seen a seen, a seen means, uh, mm-hmm. that's a Brazilian word. Uh, let me get it. Let me go back to English. That's something that was really strong in our thinking was we don't want to just receive from the American churches that we're serving that we want to give back and we want to share with them uh, things that we've been learning. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the three, the three verbs that we do everything based on is to be, share and go to be authentic disciples who share God's gifts as they go mm-hmm. uh, into God's end vision. So why not share with the churches? We, we, our ministry is about sharing with the Brazilian churches that, you know, uh, help for them to plant new churches. Why not share with the ones we were visiting? And so we put together the the courses that uh, we're already teaching on over the years, things that we already had uh, some experience, something that we wouldn't have to, like, hey, I'm going to go have to study to teach this thing. No, just just remember what God taught us and kind of put it together. And so that came out to, at first it was five, and then, well, I guess it was actually six, and then it became seven. So there's seven workshops we could kind of condense them into like two hour, three hour experiences that we've been giving around the country as we travel and just to support the churches that are having us in. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Cause most missionaries, when you come back, they're like, vacation. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, okay. yeah. <laughs> that's just how you are. Cause you're talking about earlier, like being basically an administrator and mm. being the the police, and I'm like that that doesn't sound like something you'd like to do. It just like oh, it's the, it wasn't me. No. So in the beginning, the church was about 300 people and 350 or so. And as it grew, all things are growing. You know, like a, a baby, the skeleton a baby has is very different than a teenager and an adult. So when they they went over 2,000 people, uh, I understand the pastor had to bring in more uh, structure to to serve sure. that. At the same time. We are getting kind of farther and farther from that. Um, uh, I think it's G.K. Chesterton says, um, where the, the good things run wild. And that's, our ministry is more about where the good things run wild. Uh-huh. And I was getting to be more in the administrative role. So God was very merciful to us by, you know, after COVID, the church came up with that decision that, no, we need help actually planting these churches. And like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's all us. And so we've done this transition for a year now. I think we spoke close to 45 churches this year and about close to 40,000 miles. Mm. And so it's been, it's been a great adventure too. Good. Yeah. Okay. So is this the, is this the only big transition that you guys have had during ministry? Have you, I mean, you, you were born in Brazil, are you born in Brazil or are you just a missionary kid in Brazil? So I was, I went there when I was five. Okay. Yeah. So you grew up there and as a missionary kid, right? Yeah. Okay. And then you were from Montana. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you get together and you go out to be missionaries. Were you just doing the same thing the whole time? You're like church planners working and then all of a sudden this, or have we had a bunch of transitions? Like, is this your big one? Well, we started out with the same mission board that Shane's parents are with. Mm-hmm. And after about, I mean, we were with them technically for eight years, but after like four years, we saw that we were probably in the wrong place. And so we left that and we left them. We also left, lost a lot of our support. That was a big transition, but I mean, early, so it wasn't huge. 
And then we went to another mission agency was when we took the pause for ministry. Mm -hmm. So we left that mission. We had been with them for 12 years. And so that was a huge transition. It felt like losing part of your family. That was, that was, that was such a shocking transition. It really felt like an end of a wonderful phase, but Every time that that happened, things got better. The first one to the second one and the second transition to the third one that we just got done with. And so here we are in this transition again. And all I can imagine is that it's going to be amazing on the other side. Mm. Because again, when we left this church body that we were with, like their family for the last 10 or 15 years or so, we were there for about five years, kind of on the outskirts going as members and being used in any way we could be. But for the last 10 years on staff. And so when you leave that, that's like your family. Mm -hmm. I mean, our kids, you know how it is. It's like their aunts and uncles and cousins. And so, you know, it's going to be like different than it was before, but like all of our kids now are, I mean, I say all of our kids, what I mean is Camila, Gabriel and Nachi, I'll go to Montserrat. So it's a, I mean, we have a close, close partnership with them, but it was hard. It was an awkward conversation at first but it was so important. And we, and, and, and the Lord was talking to us at the same time he was talking to them <laughs> and we were talking to somebody that said, yeah, cause if, if God only tells one side or the other, mm. it's going to be really weird. But God was just, it was exactly at the right time. It's time for us to get back to what we dream of doing church planting. And like we were called 30 years ago. And so it's really exciting when I think about what, like for the next six months, what we're going to do you know, manage our emotions for the next month or so while we get ready to leave the U.S. and say goodbye to family. That's always kind of a, a difficulty, you know. But then getting down there with a, a clean, you know, schedule where I can put on anything. Like they have a schedule in Brazil. Now, come on. There's no Brazil. There's no schedules in Brazil. There's, Is there a word in Portuguese for a schedule? Yeah, it's agenda. Uh -huh, like I have uh -huh. a hidden agenda. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so, but it's really, we're, I, I'm really excited about to see what God is going to put on there. And I know that like, for example, I was just thinking the other day, Shane's mom, her health is so poor right now and she needs a lot of attention. And I don't ever want that to be something that feels like a burden. I want to put time and in, intentionally on my schedule. I mean, not just like now I've got to schedule time for mom. No, that's not it. I mean, why do I have all these other things on when I'm not giving attention to my own family, you know? And so I'm excited about that. Just yeah. going there and being able to have time with her and, and learn from her and pour into her and yeah. just grow, you know, be there for her. So I feel bad saying like, it's not like I really didn't have time for that before. That's not it. But that's sometimes how it used to feel. Sure. And because I got to be at this meeting, I can't not be, or Shane, you know, he has to do this or that. He can't not. And so, um, that's going to be a really great thing for the future, the near future. Yeah. And your kids aren't at home, right? They're all out of the house. Well, um, Gabe is married, so he's in Porto Alegre and we're like outskirts of Porto Alegre in Gravataí. About and 30 minute drive from. Right. Yeah. And Camila's living in her home right now, but she's very excited about leaving ASAP. <laughs> but I think, but we said, hey, you're welcome to stay with us until you get married, which is very cultural down in Brazil. And we're, we'll be happy to have her with us. We, we already went through the transition of her being in college and then coming back. And so that change is huge already. Your kid's not a child anymore. They're responsible. They have their own schedule and things like that. And also she's got this great boyfriend. And so maybe well, the one thing we really like him, but the iffy thing about it, you'll see what I mean. He's the media pastor. Oh not man, pastor. He's the those media, guys. He's yeah. the media guy. Yeah. Video like, and audio. Like, and they're shady. Yes. Like those, well, he's a geek. Is right. that what you call Or a nerd. Which or one? Or a nerd. <laughs> Both. <laughs> neek. He's a neek. He's a nerd geek. No, but he's, he's a great kid and we, we love him. He's, he actually, we, the, the church asked him to go to, um, college, go to university for media because he wanted to go to seminary along with his friends. They were all going in this, well, we really need you to do, could you go to seminary after? <laughs> so, hey, man. <laughs> so he, uh, he paid the price and, and we've loved that kid and his parents do great barbecues with us. And so we're, we think it's going to work out, but they, they seem to love each other. And, and uh, so Gabe just got married in June. They're down there kind of in the pipeline for development, leadership development at the church we were, we're at. It's called Montseja. And uh, Camila, you know, her, her boyfriend's on staff there and, and she serves in a couple ministries there. So 
they're well connected to that church that we that we were at, and we're going to be able to go back and and get kind of a, like Aaron said, a fresh schedule open, open schedule, and be able to put on that schedule the two church church plants, one in Gravata and one in Alvorada, mentoring those couples. That's a priority. Those two church plants, and then we have another four that. Uh, uh, teams, local teams that are planting churches that have asked us to either mentor the couple or to mentor the couple and the team. And so it's, it's exciting. Wow. Uh, one thing that you said yesterday, Ken, was that like you used to get like messages all the time, your phone always mm. buzzing and going off. And here it's been like, oh my goodness. And when you said that, I was like, oh, I 100% identify with that. And, and I think that what has happened many times, because the same thing with Brazil, I mean, your phone is just buzzing all the time. And I see the girls that are still in there. And I know there's reasons for all those things. They need those things, the leadership development and the ladies this, and I get that. But um, I, I want to help people understand that if they have their schedule set up in a way that they do have time, like if someone said, could we go out for coffee on Friday morning? It's not like, no, because I have this meeting that I go to. The, no. What if they said yes? Or what if they could have the freedom to ask somebody out for coffee or if they weren't so leveraged and exhausted that they could actually, I think a lot of deep ministry and evangelism, like the effective stuff that happens one-on-one could actually happen if they had a little bit less of all the other things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That structure. My wife once said, I'm so busy. How did she say that? I'm so busy being a missionary, I can't do the ministry. Mm-hmm. If there's going to be scheduled things. And- mm-hmm. I think I've heard that phrase. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, your kids are all out of the house, or do you have any left in the ho- at home? Um, it's kind of like we have two in home, yeah. at home, uh, but one's just about ready to buy his house and, mm-hmm. and get married, and, yeah. and it's all in the works. And so uh, he's not, you know, like... He was at home right, right, still. Right. It's 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 a different relationship now. Sure. But uh, so and then the other one's in college, and so yeah. And he's so busy, he doesn't call us anymore. So it's kind of like <laughs> one in the house right now. It's gonna happen. <laughs> They're not gonna need me anymore. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So that transition. So this is selfish right here because my so my youngest is eight. So I still got a while, but. I look, I think and plan for that day, right? Of that transition of like kids out of the house. So how has that changed ministry now that you don't have kids, you know, around and you're have freedom, but then you have different responsibilities maybe with them and working with them in ministry. I mean, I don't know what, how's that changed? Oh, um, it has changed more with Sharon, I'd say than with me. Mm. Um, she was the homeschool mom. And, and she was, you know, with the, with the kids, um, all the time. I was always the one in ministry and kind of what you guys said too. I mean, I was busy and, uh, maybe too busy. There was so many needs and so many pleas and I was too willing to say yes and, and, not be at home and ministering to my wife and my children as much as they would have liked. And so, yeah, there was, we were pulled and I was pulled in a, in a thousand different directions. Um, but Sharon, that's been her life. And so when she said last night that, uh, well, now just Willie and what'll, how will ministry open up now for me? And then we came back home, come back to the States and, and now her ministry isn't like it was in Peru. She's now uh, uh, cleaning the church, plays the piano, heads up the music and stuff in our church, and uh, and we're getting involved in counseling. But yeah, it's just been a total change for us since we left Peru and came back here. And and then it's my trips and getting ready for the trips and going on the trips, and so. Yeah, it's been a big transition, a big change, um, more from our move from Peru to the States than and, and changing from missionary in Peru to missionary with Pep. The change has, has been more around ministry. Uh, my kids always, always there, come home and play and, and converse with them and read with them and pray with them. 
And, uh, and as they leave home, we do that more in phone conversations. I guess that's been the big, the big change yeah. and keep up when we can. Yeah. Okay. So you're going around and, and helping other missionaries at this point in life, right? You're training them, you're supporting them. You're, is that, is that your main thing? Not missionaries, pastors. Pastors. Okay. Yeah. Pastors. Same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sort of? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So are, are you... Are you working with them just in general, um, like education or like, are some of them like struggling and you're being sent out to like help kind of rescue their situation or can you explain that a little bit? Are they all different? It's mostly teaching classes. Okay. So it's featuring education. Teach, yes. Sure. But as we teach, uh, things come up. So this uh, is kind of like they can't get to, they've got, they don't have good Christian mm-hmm. education. Yep. So you're, they're bringing it to them. Yep. yep. Okay. We're bringing um, it to them. So yeah, they yeah. don't have a Bible college. They don't have missionaries wow. there to lead in these yeah. countries where we're at. Like Chad, for example, in Central African Republic, they were, there were many missionaries there starting churches and working and involved in, in hospitals and and Bible colleges and different, uh, different ministries that they went all of a sudden and through different crisis or just the dynamic uh they're gone there's just a handful now hmm. and and now uh the the nationals have have taken up the leadership but again that training has been uh lacking and so we're we're trying to prepare them bring that training to them yeah wow that's and really support and like uh yeah like we, you maybe heard in the video today, just about uh, as we're talking, as we're teaching, their problems come up, um, church problems, family problems, sicknesses, and and we're there. We're able to minister to them in their need. What do, What do you feel is like the common number one thing that they're all dealing with that, or most of them are dealing with? Like, I mean, you just from that experience, like loneliness and distance from their home church, cultural stuff. Like, what do you feel that, that they're usually struggling with that you could share? Yeah. Um, my experience is somewhat small still in the pep ministry. We just mm-hmm. got started. I was doing the trips for a year and now we're just getting started again after sure. a break. And so my my experience is a bit limited, um, but from what I understand and from my experience, it's it's just getting along with people. That was some of the things uh, we were there on on one mission field, and there were there were some real interpersonal issues that we were dealing with, and we're not there to straighten them out sure. or, or or fix things really. Yeah, but we have opportunities to to just minister grace to them and to love them. Um, and, and there's been sickness where we were there with a sick person and we was dying and, and we were there with the family. Yeah, whatever it is that they're going through, we've been there. And, and the persecution that they're facing, and even though we can't understand that, but we're there. And, and when you preach and people make a profession of faith and they say, the girl's going to go home, and she's going to face persecution. Mm. You don't know what's going to happen tonight, and it's just there's a weight on you. You know, I'm 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 helping to bring pain and mm. suffering to this person, but it's the greatest suffering you can have. <laughs> wow, yeah, I don't I don't think about that kind of stuff. You know, we don't have that as much here. I mean, you get a little bit of it, but nothing like is it is it like that in Brazil? Like someone comes becomes a Christian and they go home, and their family's just like. Get out. I mean, I know there's countries like that. That's uh, not not uh, primarily with the Catholic. Um, there's so much nominal Catholicism, but you do see that with um, when you do have like the Italian um, village or Italian mm, like yeah. vein where people are like staunch Catholic or maybe uh, Spiritist, where they're not uh, not the the what they consider like the the high level spiritism it's all the same you know there's all the same enemy behind it but they have like the the descends into different denominations of spiritism that are like voodoo and they have their each have their name you know and and the darker you get and the more o- o- overt if you try to leave those things and the family you know kicks you know pushes back and you know curses begin to be and people are afraid of 
dying or somebody dying in their family if they try to leave. So there is, there is the, um, the persecution is more like, you know, we're going to, if it's the spiritism, we're going to do a curse against you. And the people are, they end up, you know, internally persecuted because they're afraid. Um, and then in the, in the more European Catholic neighborhoods or, or cities, you know, if somebody tries to get baptized, uh, they could be shunned by the whole, you know, the whole uh, family. But I would say that that's kind of the fringes in the, in the center. You just have a lot of, a lot of, uh, people that have been there, done that Christianity thing and they're, they're more secular and they, uh, you know, the conversion is going to happen with an awakening of their own, uh, the Holy Spirit working in them. And then there's going to be just a lot of nonchalant, um, it's going to be a lot of, uh, pressure that this, you know, this can't, don't, don't let it change you, you know, that kind of thing. So those would be maybe the three kinds of persecution that the, the staunch European Catholicism that would come to a family member to get baptized. You might have the spiritism, you know, fear, uh, of curses. And then in the middle, just that thing, don't, just don't let it change you. You know, just, if you get saved, just don't be a different person. Which is the opposite of what the Bible says. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Last question here. I want to ask each one of you. So, uh, you're kind of all in this transition, right? Like you're headed back to start something fresh and you've already transitioned here, but you're still in the beginnings of it and everything. So what is your, your individually, I'm asking you individually, what is your like biggest dream and passion of what's coming up? What's, what's, uh, what are you hoping to do? I mean, this is your life. You've changed your life. You've left the secular world or you went to college, you did all this stuff to become a missionary and you're stepping up to this next situation and next life experience. And you're just like, I really want to accomplish what? You ready? You want me to go someone else? No, I, I mean, I think that it's always been my dream. And so I think it's just a continuation of the same thing, but to really see exponential growth among the disciples, just learning to obey and then going and making a difference and I get you when you say these things like, oh, these people, inner and personal relationships, you're like, dude, if you could just not do that, the world is going to be one. I mean, you're so busy here, like picking, man, leave it alone. Get over that. Get over yourself. Try to try to figure out these things. And since I mostly primarily work with women, I mean, so seeing healthy pastors, wives, you know, deal with the issues of life, financial strain and children and all the things um, in a, in a more mature way. I mean, we're not children anymore. I mean, we're not baby Christians. These people have been Christians for decades and I just want to see growth go far and fast. And I believe that it can do both of those at the same time. I mean, I think that they, so this is my dream just to continue pouring into the lives of the women that are under right now, like in our, in our leadership like in our, in our personal, where, who we disciple, and then just see them passing on what they've received from the Lord and just see waves of people coming to the Lord, being mature and making more disciples. And yeah. Hmm. How's that feel over there to hear your wife say that? Isn't that amazing? Well, yeah, it, it is. And I see her doing that. She, that one of the workshops that you mentioned uh-huh. is um, how to, she, she gives that workshop on how to uh, achieve and maintain emotional stability. And, uh, she's can, because one of the things also that you said, um, uh, Ken was that, uh, the conflicts between missionaries and between in, in any staff is, is one of the highest issues that you have to deal with. There's conflicts from without and from within and the conflicts from within the team usually outperform. Uh, the conflicts from persecution from without Mm -hmm. people give up faster and they give up more often because, uh, they can't get along with other people on their team. And a lot of times that's because the emotional stability is not there. And there's, there's, uh, there's something that we learned, um, over the last, last 15 years, we went to Brazil. There was three columns in our leadership preparation, uh, paradigm. So it was duties and what we need to do and what we have to get experience doing. Then there was studies, what do we need to know? And, 
you know, what we have to learn. And then there was support, you know, support and financial. So we had those three columns and there was two. So now we have five and there's two that were off my radar. One was that uh, uh, intimacy with the Lord on an ongoing basis. The authenticity there is going to be a daily work. It's not, you haven't been there and done that. No, it's a daily thing. And the other one was uh, emotional maturity. Uh, we didn't even think about that or talk about that. And uh, so that, and that's the one that takes down teams, you know? So yeah, and what Aaron's saying is she practices that, she, she teaches that. And uh, of course, we're always trying to grow emotionally mature with each other. We, today we had another <laughs> emotional mature conversation. You know, we both came, met in the middle. I think it had to do with coffee grounds in the sink or something like that. No, it was wow. the, the way you play tennis. Oh, was that it? Well, it was, it was a com- So important, you still remember. Yeah, it was all these things just today. Yeah, so it's, it's an ongoing process, yeah. So, so about your dream. Yes, yeah, so when we left Brazil in 96, that dream, the seed of it was already there, and our role has changed in it. And so this, it, was, it was always to plant church planting churches that send out missionaries. And then it became more clarified, like, okay, we want to plant churches that will multiply through disciple-making and uh, launch a church planting movement that will send missionaries to the world. And in the beginning, our role on that was, uh, I was talking recently to a, to a guy who was helping, coaching us, you know, he's helping us figure out what we do. And he's like, Shane, when you present your ministry, a lot of times it sounds like Luke Skywalker. Like you think you're Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it says, mm-hmm. and really you should be thinking. You know who that is? I do. Okay. I mean, I'm a Star Trek guy, but yes. yes. Okay. I know who that is. So it's like, <laughs> it's, man, it's like you're out there, you're doing it, you're battling. But really, you should be Obi-Wan. You you need to help the Luke Skywalkers, you know, and become all that God has for them. So that was a very interesting way of looking at what we need to go back and see happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to go back and be uh, hero makers. We need to be go back and, and serve the guys who are going to stay there you know, help them. And so that's our vision is to see a church planting movement spring up in South Brazil that does lead to a missions movement and sending to the world. And our names aren't going to be the main names that are going to be celebrated in that. Mm. We're going to help that happen. Wow. Great. How about you, Ken? Yeah. Well, I had almost ditto that. I mean, yeah, we're not on the ground um, I'm, I'm not going to have those ministries and those responsibilities on my shoulders. It's just going in and ministering to these men and helping them to do their job well. And so as we were in Peru and, and ministering too, it all came down to not so much academics. It was a relationship. And, and of course, you're teaching as you're doing this, but establishing a relationship with people that would allow them to grow spiritually. And to do that, you have to be open. And I've appreciated you guys' openness. And and you have to be broken to be able to be used and, and impact other people. And so God, uh, we're so grateful that God uses broken people to minister because uh, broken, sinful people we are. <laughs> Amen. Well, thanks a lot, guys, for sharing what's going on with you guys. I really hope that uh, just that all these visions that you have um, play out. And obviously, if they don't, God's got a better plan, right? But yeah. um, just we just appreciate you guys um, basically giving up the the personal desire of life that I, I know what it is like to go into ministry, right? So you've got like this worldly job you could have or this this big house that you could dream of or whatever this, you know, this worldly thought and that we've given up to serve. So we just really appreciate what you guys have done. And even though things have transitioned or things have failed or whatever's happened, you guys just keep going on in, in ministry and missions. So thanks a lot for being here this weekend and answering lots of questions. Thank you for, and this church, let's just say this on the end, on the you know end of this podcast. This church does a good job of taking care of missionaries when they come through here. And, and I'm sure, you know, our good friends, Lucas and Teresa are from this church, and they, they feel constantly encouraged by you guys. Mm-hmm. And so through the mission house, through the conference, through 
just the way that you're treated when you when you call into the office and those I I, I call them I didn't know what their title was so I call them hmm. the office ninjas yeah. that answer the phone <laughs> yeah um, the church does a great job so congratulations you guys do a great job of making us feel loved and cared for so thank you wow yes. thanks Shane oh it's been awesome becoming a part of this conference that's the first time I've been here in a conference like this and yeah charity. She's awesome. <laughs> and everybody who's been uh, a minute, yeah, they've really made us feel welcome and loved. And so it's been, it's been a fun weekend. That's awesome to hear. I think it comes from what you guys have already said. It comes with starting with the personal relationship, which a lot of our staff are doing well in that area. But then it comes with our relationship with each other. I'm talking about with Christ first, but then with each other, we have a unique situation where we don't have those inner battles like other churches do. And I think that causes us to get out of the way, right? And be able to serve you guys. So um, I just, we are always in prayer that that stays that way and keep, allows us to be able to continue to minister. But yeah, I just, uh, I always have dreams of being a missionary or you, you know, these conferences come and people are just like, they get motivated to go into ministry or go into missions. I mean, my, daughter just said something today like i want to be a missionary and i want to go tell people about jesus and so that's super cool but um i i just think um they can people can do that everywhere right it's, it doesn't have to be traveling to other countries right so i just I, I just think this whole weekend should bring that to people's minds that we can that we can be missionaries at work to our family to our neighbors i mean you're doing that you did that in brazil to your own neighbors who live right next to you so why can't we i mean it's it's just a border. It's just a different language, right? So we need to be able to do that all the time to our kids. I mean, that's where I'm at. I'm with parents, homeschool mom, like you were talking about. That's where my wife's at. And so I think we just, um, that's, that's a great commission in general is what we're doing. So I would just appreciate you guys doing it in a probably more physically straining and language brain straining. And like, I feel like I have it easy. <laughs> I don't have learn a language. I don't have to go in humidity and wake up with my sheets wet and the towels wet when you take it off the thing. And that's what I remember from Brazil. <laughs> but anyways, okay. Well, thanks a lot guys for, for answering questions and being with us this week and uh, hope we have a great weekend and we'll see everyone next time.